Welcome to Food and Loathing, where, yes, we have in fact watched the bear, but no, we are not going to discuss it. Because nobody in the restaurant industry wants to discuss that damn show anymore. And we are also a um, podcast about uh, restaurants, not about restaurant TV shows. Now, if you've eaten a bear recently, kind of like those kids on Yellow Jacket before they <laughs> discovered the other white meat, you know, um, I would be happy to talk about that, even if it happened on a TV show. <laughs> Hell, you might even be able to drag me into a conversation about Cocaine Bear. Oh, that was hilarious. I still haven't seen it, actually. <laughs> it's Should so I? funny. I don't like horror and gore, and it's sort of this mix of campy horror gore. It's absolutely hilarious. You have to watch it. I think everybody has to watch it. Okay, and that is the extent of our bear conversation for here. Hey, this is Food and Loathing. I'm your host, Al Mancini. A very long time ago, I was the obnoxious new food writer on the scene here in Las Vegas, tossing Molotov cocktails at the establishment. But, you know, then things changed. Meteor hit the earth and killed the dinosaurs, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> Dark Ages, Renaissance, Industrial Revolution, Home Porn, Computers, Molecular Gastronomy, Streaming Services, The Bear. <laughs> Yet, one of those dinosaurs is still here, and that's me, and I'm still hungry. Uh, helping me through the next hour, you know her writing from offthestrip.com, among other fine publications. She's younger, she's hipper, she's up to date on all the latest food trends. And over the past few weeks, she's even mastered the mixing board, so we can have shows while our engineer, Rich Johnson, continues his world travels. I am speaking, of course, about Ms. Samantha Gemini Stevens. Gemini, how are you? I'm wonderful today. How are you? I'm doing okay. I'm doing okay. I'm wondering, do you need a little extra boost on your mic or is it just in my head? Maybe so I'm not... I'll do a little bit. Yeah, yeah give just... him a little more of you. Yeah. A little more Gemini. Nobody <laughs> ever complained about that. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, our engineer Rich Johnson is continuing his world travels. Last I checked his social media accounts, he was like eating tacos and lobster rolls and sushi and Indian oh food in Paris. All over the place. In Paris, yes. Yeah. And then probably eating French food when he finally arrived in London. <laughs> I think he's going to tell you all about it in ne next week, though I may not be here. But Rich is still lending his technical expertise to assembling each and every episode but Gemini has also been doing a lot of the heavy lifting stateside. So yeah, thank baby. you very much for that. I really do appreciate that. And that hard work includes booking the location for this week's show. So Gemini, man, I'm just going to ask you to explain. Tell me where we're sitting. I mean, I'm eating. I'm getting some good fried chicken on a waffle in front of me. I got a very nice burrito, which seems to have kind of a hash brown patty on it and some sausage. What am I eating? Yeah, where are we eating? We are at Little Avalon and Hibachi Grill. Um, I'm focusing on Little Avalon today. That's sort of their breakfasty, brunchy side of things. Um, we are in Village Square um, over by the theater, which I think I just learned yesterday is permanently closed because <laughs> we opened all these other new luxury theaters around us. Um, but I mean, movie theaters, not exactly. They're being replaced by pickleball, aren't pretty they? Pretty much. a general rule yeah. in this country. Yeah. Wherever you used to see a movie, <laughs> now you're going to see a fucking pickleball. I even saw a sign on an apartment complex the other day advertising the fact that they had pickleball. So, I mean... Not movies, though. Not movies. Not that I saw. Um, but, yeah, so Little Avalon is a is a, literally in the corner of the shopping center. It's the far back corner of the shopping center next to the Porchlight Grill, which is a bar. Um... There's a Quest Diagnostics over here. It's in the same place as the Burgundy French so Bakery. I could go get my cholesterol <laughs> checked on my way out. Right, after we eat. the restaurant, after I eat that egg sandwich I'm looking at over there. Mm -hmm. um, it's in the same complex as the Burgundy Cafe Bakery that we love so much. Um, and they call themselves an all-day coastal cafe and restaurant. And on their website, they also say they are a little oasis for shared meals, fresh ingredients, and all-day healthy bites. And while they do have vegan, gluten-free options and vegetarian things like that, they have a lovely thick-cut bacon, they do use eggs, they use cheese, and they have some really great sausages and breads. So definitely get in here for sandwiches, smoothies, fruit bowls, toast, pastries, lots of coffee and tea. Um, they bring in Amigo coffee, I think it is. So, yeah. They got Amigo swag. Yeah, they even have the swag. Amigo hats up there. Yeah. And shirts. And, and they've got some, like... Hat, what they call half raw pastries so they 
for for some of the raw food people. Like, there's a little bit of everything for oh, everybody in this yeah, place. Yeah, it's definitely got a bit. I, I have to say, no, anybody who, who knows me, any of my friends out there, <laughs> you picture me, right? Like, actually, I love the place. It's very beautiful in here. Very calm. Actually, very nice as I'm preparing to go on vacation, hopefully, right? next week. I was, it's I was kind of like that for a little vibe, vibe for you. Yeah. I do. But I don't know that I've ever been in a restaurant before where there was a, um, a basket in the front for rolled up yoga mats. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm looking at that like, you. what the, okay, are, are people going to yoga in here? Or is this like, that's where you start, store your mat if you that's just right. came from if, yoga? If you just came from yoga, that that could be okay. a thing. Oh, I'm liking it, but that's a first for me, man. Chalk that one up on my list of first. Yoga mat um, basket at the door. It's kind go. of like a wicker basket too, yep. as I guess it should be, yeah. a yoga mat basket. <laughs> yeah, so so that that's where I'm bringing you today to have some breakfast. I'd been here only once or twice before, and so something I thought I wanted to share. Well, thank you. I do appreciate that. Absolutely. And so I've got this breakfast burrito going on over here, which is is very good. It kind of almost, you know, it's hard to look into, you know, it, look see what goes inside a burrito, <laughs> right? Once you're eating it, but I mean, it almost feels like a hash brown, almost like a hash brown patty kind yep. of thing. So yep. there's some good texture to that crispy uh, stuff that's in there. There's a lot of green. I'm assuming that's guacamole. Like guacamole, yeah, yep. Guac and I like happen. how they grill the outside of the burrito, so it's not just this soft tortilla thing. Like oh, I yeah. like a little bite that little on bit of a tortilla. crunch, make yeah. it a little toothy, little al dente. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I dig that. So that this is really good. Um, you got this j chicken and waffle that was sitting in front of yeah. my microphone when I got here, and I've just been pulling <laughs> off pieces of the chicken. Fried chicken's really, really it's, fucking good. Oh. I haven't gone gone into the waffle yet, but um, that looks rocking. Yeah. And then as we speak, I'm going to take my first bite. This is going to be like the Mr. Ed trick, you know, yeah. like Mr. Ed the horse. <laughs> they feed him peanut butter when they wanted him to move his lips. Well, I'm now about to eat a, some toast Do it. with some peanut butter and bananas on Do it. So it. hold on, let's see. Uh, you can still talk if you want. Yeah, no worries. So I will describe what you're eating. Mm -hmm. It's a very crunchy piece of, of some of their homemade toast here. Um, spread with this beautiful peanut butter, covered with bananas, a little bit of honey. Oh, clover thing there. I got a, a plant oh, on it. That you I got found. some plant from the beet-based. Yeah, that's, that's a beet hummus toast next to that. Ah, okay. Um, so there's an overflow. There we go. Yeah. And then over by me, I've got what they call mom's breakfast sandwich or mother's breakfast sandwich. And it's got thick cut bacon. It's got an egg. It's got cheese. It's got avocado. It does come with a hash brown on the side, not inside the sandwich like the burrito did. Uh, but uh, yeah, I think we're doing pretty good. We've got a, a pretty good cross section of some of the healthier bits on that side, and then some of some of the more savory bits on the other side of the table. So well, I, I am enjoying everything that I'm having so far. So thank you so much. Thanks absolutely. to whoever did the ordering, man. You guys were awesome. Um, so look, we have a great show planned for you today. Later in the show, I'm going to chat with Christy Vanover. She's an award-winning Las Vegas pitmaster and the creator of Girls Can Grill, which is a yeah, website. Baby. Um, she'll be representing our fine city on the new season of Barbecue Brawl with Bobby Flay and Amberell. That premieres July 10th, but it'll be available for streaming or in reruns or whatever new delivery method they come up with. <laughs> Probably forever. Oh, yeah. yeah. Once those shows hit, you just get to watch them all the time. Did you ever read a, um, a, a contract? Um, okay, sorry, tangent number two that I was going on right now. <laughs> Have you ever read a television contract or a record contract in this day and age, the language about the mediums? It's usually that has been or ever will be invented oh, yeah. now and forever in this universe <laughs> or any other universes that may be found to exist. Um, so that's, I think, where you're going to be able to find Barbecue Brawl, probably. I think so. It's going into the singularity, so. and you'll be able to find it somewhere. So um, I am excited to be chatting with her coming up later in the show. But before we do that, we'd like to tell you um, a little bit about where we've been eating. This is about as close as we come to restaurant reviews, although the goal is really to give you a glimpse into all of the cool food that is available in Las Vegas by just telling you about all the interesting places we eat every week. The goal is to come up with a few joints you may not have heard of or tried and convince you that at least one or two of them are worth a visit. So with that in mind, I'm going to let Gemini get started. Where you been eating other than this fine place that we're sitting right now? Oh my gosh. So my delivery this week, I've kind of decided that I'm going to have one every week because you just never know what's available out there. Some places I just know I'm not going to get to. Um, I found Earth Cafe. There's two places here in Vegas. There's one off of Helen Toledo Street um, at Uncommons near mm -hmm. the new Durango Station. And there's one at the Wynn. Yes. And no, I've been to the one at Uncommons and was not impressed with that one. So I actually kind of enjoyed it. Um, I had a breakfast burrito, super customizable. And, and I'm, I'm a meat kind of breakfast girl. Like if I'm going to do that, like 
It's one of the reasons I like this breakfast burrito that you're digging into right now. Pressed like a panini. Um, the eggs were soft. I got to put sausage in it. I got to put some extra pico in it for some freshness, which I really enjoyed. Um, and I also decided to try the eggs Benedict Canyon, which I'm not entirely sure why they call it that. But um, it had smoked salmon, more of a cured lox, which I really enjoy. Not that hot smoke fish I'm not a fan of. Um, and instead of muffins, it had like latkes or, or, or potato pancakes underneath. The hollandaise was done really well. And for delivery food, no less, I actually really enjoyed it. Cool. So I was I was kind of happy with that. I'm glad you liked it. Yeah, I tried to. I dined in there one time, and they were out of a lot of the things that we were hoping to get. Yeah. They also didn't have wine, which Sue thought they were going to have wine, and they didn't. And you know, just not having wine when you expect it is yeah. a downer. Um, <laughs> but yeah, and and that looks like a place that should have yoga mats. <laughs> When I was <laughs> in there, fair. now that I think the about it. The name kind of yeah. brings it out because it's Earth, U-R-T-H. Yes, Earth. <laughs> I don't know if that's the Earth Mother or what, what that Something. means. Something. Um, you know, just, I have to mention it just because we did it. We went back to Carson Kitchen. Um, we we have, got you hooked now. I'm, uh, You're back on a, th- I know, a new thing ever I'm back since we've been thing. in there. Um, we, a bunch of friends and I, uh, we do Bourdain Day for his birthday and we go somewhere. We basically order everything on the menu and we just pass it around and it's a great vibe. It's a great night. This one happened to be at Carson Kitchen. So we went the other night, um, had a lot of the dishes we had last week, but also, um, some, some newer stuff that we hadn't had yet, which I thought was good. Of course we had staples like the chicken skins. And then we got to try all the desserts. And all I can say is don't skimp on them. They yeah. they had a donut bread pudding that was lighter than it should have been. They yeah, I was I was asking Corey, or no, I'm sorry, I was asking Scott about that bread pudding yeah. last time I was there, oh. right? So they're in negotiation with the Carl's people to start using their... That's right, yeah, that's right. Start using so yeah. pastry chef Amanda over there is amazing, and it, this bread pudding is lighter than it should be. Um, this bread brownie was decadent, brown butter ice cream that went with it. Just super delicious, and literally we ordered about, I think, two-thirds of the menu between eight of us. So I think we did a pretty good job. Damn. Um, we ran over after that to the Silver Stamp Beer Bar. I just love to give them a shout-out. It's, you know, if you haven't been in there yet... It's that place that you've never been, but you walk in and you know you've been there. Mm -hmm. It has that sort of older, like 70s, 80s vibe. Uh, Maybe it was your dad's decorated a little bit like um, Eric Foreman's basement on the 70s show. On that 70s show, that that is all the best ways. Yes, absolutely. It fits all the best things. Um, And what I like about it too is I just don't drink that much beer anymore. Um, Beer is just as much as I love beer, beer doesn't love me. Um, so what makes me happy is that Rose and Andrew also do a really great funky natural wine list. So I can go in, I can still have a glass of wine with my friends who are enjoying all the different beers and it's pretty fantastic. Cool. Um, I also got a chance to go to Zai by Chef Noe Alcala, who I'll be interviewing later this week for a future episode. Um, but you know, it was an eclectic menu. He sent out all kinds of stuff for us to try and he taste. He plays by no rules over there, no does he? Rules. No rules. There was pasta, and there was, um, you know, Mexican food, and there was fish, and then there was this cannelloni with filet mignon and these Asian sauces, and you've just, you've got to try it out. Um, I really like the vibe in there. I will say I was disappointed in the bar. I'm not a fan of the menu itself because it's all written out, including the prices of the food. <laughs> So it says eighteen dollars right. instead of like you know giving me eighteen fifty digits, in numeral yes. di- yeah numeral digits instead of the old um, uh, yeah what do they but call chef it? was really great um, to talk to for even just a few minutes so I'm really excited to expand on that later this week um, and then I had to pop into Garage East and while I was sad about them not getting their JBF they still prove themselves to be the best wine centric bar in town so it was really nice to go in there the night after we went to Zai and just have a little nightcap before we went home and say hi to everybody and just feel a little bit of that local vibe because they've still got it going on over there. Yeah, it's still, Garage East is one of those places that if you're in the arts district and you're a foodie, if you go into Garage East just for one glass of wine, you will almost certainly see somebody you know, (laughs) right? I mean, it's just, I don't know, it's just one of those places. Absolutely. You know, and as somebody, you know, we, again, you kids today with your phones and the blah, you know, you don't know, but in the old days, you used to just go to the place, Yeah. right? You went to the place place in the neighborhood and you knew all the cool people would walk the fuck in and Garage East still has that vibe, and it really has, has yeah. taken on that. I, I also f- I would love to see Soul Belly like become more of that, but Soul Belly is still a little more tourist. Yeah, I mean I still see a lot of people I know, absolutely, but, but not mostly. But Garage East 
man. It is like it is. It is so much less touristy and so much more in the know. Yep. You know, I mean, yeah, just yeah. It's it's, yeah. it's a great place. It's a great um. If, if you're in the arts district, whether you think you're a wine bar kind of person or not, I'd say you need to stop at a handful of key places. Garage East is one of them. Yeah, I was just gonna really quickly throw out. It's a little bit like Silver Stamp. Like even if you've never been there, you feel like you've been there. They're there to help you. They're there. They're there to help you figure out what you want to drink, and uh, yeah, nobody is treated like a stranger. Everybody gets welcomed. So yeah, get out in there. Cool. Um, How about you? Okay, that's about it. Where have I been? You know, I since we're here, I didn't bring this today because I didn't think it would be cool to go to. Um, and now that I'm looking around at, at what a clean living place this is, I didn't think if I brought my own bottle of whiskey, it would have gone over well. And I'm starting to think that was probably a smart call on my part. Probably, but, but I do want to try now this. Now you have me intrigued. Yeah, you know, I was shopping for whiskeys this week, and you know, like I always like to just find things that I haven't had before, things that are higher end. You know, my we, we keep them around the house a long time. We're not chugging them; they're they're there for right. you know for the collection, so to speak. Mm-hmm. A little bit of sipping here and there. Um, so I came across something called Whistle Pig Smokestock. You have my attention. Yeah, they had my attention, too, because I was like, okay, that, yeah, who doesn't like Whistle Pig, right? Yeah. I mean, we all go all the way up to the super expensive ones down to yeah. their, their basic ones. They're always good whiskeys. Even when I was doing the Dry January, they had a really good product out there, which was a pre-made sort of Manhattan cocktail with no alcohol, and it tasted fantastic. Really? So, yeah. Interesting. Okay, so so I was excited, and then it's, I said it said it was aged in Traeger wood-fired barrels. So now now we got this kind of cross-corporate cross-promotion, right? Right. I'm, I'm a little, mm, I don't know. But then I'm like, I don't know. I know a lot of smokers who like Traeger grills. You know, maybe the, maybe this is a... I'm curious, though, because the Traeger grill is a pellet grill. Yeah. So, so I didn't really... this work with the... I didn't really understand, right? So I figured, what the fuck, I'll buy it. Um, and I was really disappointed in it. Yeah. I have to say, I don't think I've ever been disappointed in a Whistle Pig uh, product before. Okay. So I'm going to, I'll give you, you know, some, and I'll give you the bottle. You could sip on yeah, it for a I week or two it. and come back. I don't have it in the car today, but we'll get that taken care of. But anyway, if anybody has any thoughts on this one, I didn't do a lot of research on it. It was really an impulse buy. Yeah. Um, and I don't know. I, I, I hate to say this because... To me, it tasted just almost like somebody added some liquid smoke to a fucking whisk. I mean, yeah. it's, it's, obviously they didn't. I know they didn't. I know they're a quality producer. I know there are people out there to r- tearing their hair out that knows <laughs> how good these guys are. And I know that they're good, but th- that this one just did not fucking register with me no. at all. I just, okay. I mean, maybe if you want to make it in like an old fashioned and have it a little smoky so you don't have to bring it out in the smoke right. thing. Like it might be like it felt like a cheat. That's really what it felt like. It okay. felt like a product that was a cheat. Whereas I've really enjoyed a lot lot of whiskeys that are aged in in um port barrels mm-hmm. that are aged in sherry casks yes. um you know things like that i really really enjoy american whiskeys when they're done that way yep so i thought that maybe you know I, this I would give love... me something more subtle but it yeah. wasn't subtle the smoke here was just not and yeah yeah so a little disappointed in that there's my whiskey review okay but, you know we'll maybe we'll talk more about that in the future when you can <laughs> sip some as well um, I went over to Asteria Fiorella. That, of yep. course, is Mark Vetri's restaurant in Red Rock. And we had a great time. This was, again, one of those nights, you know, we talk about it all the time. Sue just gets off work. Where are we going to go? Let's just sit at a bar. Let's have a few bites. Maybe we'll have pizza or pasta or tacos when we go home. Something, but let's yeah. have a few bites while we're out. So we went there. Um, Sue had a burrata salad, which was fantastic. Um, we had a good crudo, which I think was made with two different cuts of tuna. Um, there were some cherries chopped up in there with those onions, microgreens. Really good crudo. Yeah. You know, with, I usually see more citrus fruits in crudo than I do cherries, so I really did enjoy that. Yeah. And I'm hoping they were cherries now. If somebody calls me from there and then <laughs> then whistle pig and I'm on everybody's shit list for getting ingredients wrong. No, I'm 99.9% sure on that one. <laughs> Just, I never trust my notes. But you know what I saw on the menu? The waiter said to me, oh, have you been here before? Yeah, it's been a little while. Okay, let me tell you what's new on the menu. And he pointed pointed me to the corn agnolotti. Now, I've had this dish before, right? He's yeah. like, this is new on the menu. He's like, well, it is seasonal. I'm like, I guess it's been a fucking year since I've been <laughs> here. I don't know. But um, this is a really, really cool dish. Yeah. Uh, and I had it again, and I liked it as much as I did the last time. It's corn agnolotti with um, blueberries and basil. Oh, that sounds lovely. And just a very interesting, sweet meets savory, meets fresh and herbaceous. Um, you know, and Mark Vetri obviously has a team that knows how to make amazing pasta so you're not losing anything there right so i would go back again it's there every time i'm there but apparently it's a seasonal dish so go back and get it while it's (laughs) in season um 
Slice House I dropped by. I had a quick bite. I'm going to mention them later in the news. I'll mention Tony Gemignani as well. But awesome. since I was over um, in Green Valley Ranch, I grabbed a slice, and I just grabbed a slice of the um, Sicilian. And it was so fucking good. It was so light. It was so pillowy. It was so perfect. And those of you who don't know, Slice House is, you know, Tony Gemignani has Pizza Rocks and yep. has other um, higher-end restaurants in California and here in Las Vegas. But Slice House... And he does have a pizza rock, by the way, in Green Valley Ranch where you sit down. Yep. But Slice House is where you just go for a slice. It's the food court place. It's yep. over there in GVR. And when you can get a slice of Sicilian at a place that is just a Slice House, yeah. and it is a hundred times better than most of the Sicilians I've oh, gotten wow. in Las Vegas. I mean, it's up there. It's up there with Chris Decker's. It's up there with, in my opinion, Dom DeMarco's. Um, you know, these yeah. are like the good Sicilians in this town. And it is up there with those just buying it at a slice at a food court, which was just fantastic. And that just proves what a genius Tony Gemignani is. Yep. You know, meanwhile, I had one from Brooklyn's Best, a Sicilian, not that long ago that I don't know what the hell they were doing with it. So, <laughs> and Sicilian can be tough, but, but they definitely, they knocked it out of the park. Um, okay. And then I did three more trips to the Sundry since last yeah. week spoke. So I'm really trying to get the hang and I want to explain to people, I guess, more what the Sundry is all about because I feel like people are going in there and they're not quite getting it. Yeah. I'm seeing a few of the complaints on social media and stuff like that. So I'll tell you about my visits, but I'm also just going to tell you, you know, the basic idea of the Sundry, which is in the Uncommons, but yep. it's not everything in Uncommons. Lots of things are Uncommons that are not part of the Sundry. Right. Uh, Salt and Straws in Uncommons is not part of the Sundry. Yep. Amari is going to open in Uncommons. It's not part of the Sundry. There's a great Peruvian place coming that's not going to be part of the Sundry. But the Sundry itself is this big, giant, massive food hall, large industrial space, um, huge ceilings, etc. They have 13 communal-style concepts in there, so 13 okay. restaurants that you order all at the same time from the same menu. Then they okay. have two additional sit-down restaurants. Okay, so that would be Mizunara, which is from Chef Cho yep. out of um, California, and um, BS Taqueria, which is an offshoot of Broken Spanglish, Ray Garcia's restaurant. Yep. Um, so those are the sit-down restaurants. But the 13 that you order by themselves, they've changed a little too. But let's go in the order of what I did. So first of all, first day, went to a, um, went to a media event. And they just invited all the press in. We started, we had five or six courses over at Mizunara. Mm -hmm. Then when we were full and ready to leave, then they said, hey, have five or six more courses over at BS Taqueria. <laughs> um, and it was fantastic. I mean, I, I really enjoyed it. Some dishes I really loved. You know, I've already said Mizunara is doing those big open hand rolls, yep. which is a trend that I'm not loving, but... It, that's my problem because everybody else seems to <laughs> everybody love Everybody else seems to love and it. And the food yeah. was fantastic. And they were delicious. So I'm not going to complain about them. It's just a style that I'm not that sure. into. Um, they did some, you know, kind of what you'd call new style sashimi or, you know, the crudo-esque Japanese stuff with a lot of things. Did that. Did some amazing, beautiful cold miso. And Interesting. He, yeah, and this is um, Chef Show's mother's recipe. He was telling me. So definitely try the cold miso when you're in there of all these things. There's also something that was a mixed tempura. It was like all the vegetables plus some fish just kind of all shredded up and then mixed into these sort of fritters that are all yeah. just fried together. And um, it reminded me sort of of a corn and shrimp fritter that I've had. I'm thinking maybe at Cassie Beach House, but I, I digress. Um, but it, it was just very fritter-like, right? Yeah. You picked it up. It was fried. And, oh, there's the, there's the onions. and Oh, oh wait, that, what's that, a scallop I'm getting? <laughs> you know, so I, I really dug that dish. Um, really, really good. Then we had some fantastic steak. If you're a steak eater, oh, yeah. don't miss the steak when you're ever at Mizunara. We moved over to BS Taqueria. Uh, started off with an agave spirits tasting. So, you know, so tall. Things, oh, yeah. things that are not mezcals, things that are not tequilas, yep. but the other agave spirits that are out there. And we had a nice lesson, the psalm there. Really, really incredibly smart and well-educated guy. So I, I loved learning about these spirits cool. from him. So I would recommend that, especially if you, um, you know, if you're one of these people that tries to impress your friends by being like, I don't drink tequila. I'm into mezcal now. No, fuck <laughs> this. Turn it up. Turn it up another notch. Right. Come here. Drink some of these other things, and um, that's awesome. Then you're gonna really feel like a rock star. Know it all among your friends, which is you know what we're here for to help you do that. That's right. Um, he had sort of a tuna tostada, which was ah delicious, but it was it, it reminded me of a little bit of something Morimoto does. Yeah, which isn't a bad thing to no, remind me of that. But um, you know, done in its own style, done really, really well. The mushroom taco tacos are spicy as fuck. I had them at the <laughs> opening party. 
and they did not devastate my taste buds. So I tried them again here, yeah. and then like the next course, I was just like, I need water. I can't taste anything. <laughs> You know, so um, that was my owl with a burned mouth yes. voice that I was doing there. <laughs> nothing else, nothing more offensive that I was trying to do there. Um, then we did some elote kind of corn ribs. They're oh, yeah. done in a corn rib style, which a lot of people do in corn ribs now. Yep. But it's cool. It was fucking awesome. As long as it's delicious. Yeah, and then I think it was done as birria. We had the, this big lamb neck that came Ooh. out, right? So just picking it, picking apart the meat off the lamb yeah. neck. That was really, really good. The churros he does were light as air, man. I mean, don't don't miss those as well. Um, we had did some, I believe, some dolce con leche on there as well. Ugh. So that was day number one of my return. <laughs> Your right? return to my the sun. Because I've already been to this place a couple of times. Day number two, they invited us out for smitten ice cream. Okay. Okay. So yes, by the way, thumbs up to both BS Taqueria and to um, absolutely and to Mizanara. And I would say if you are a Ray Garcia fan and you have eaten at Viva in Resorts World. I would tell you whether you love Viva or whether you weren't were disappointed in Viva. Either way, I'd highly recommend going back and trying BS Taqueria because okay. it is a slightly different concept. It's more of a street food thing, okay. it is, you know. So it's not aimed necessarily at the casino guests. I mean, it is one of their sit-down restaurants, but sure. it's in a food hall, right? Yeah. So I don't know. I feel it's a different vibe. They tell me, you know, all of his team tell me that it's a very different attitude that they had going in with how they designed the menu. So I'd recommend that. Yeah. So, okay, so next day, as I'm still digesting that feast, <laughs> uh, they had us into Smitten Ice Cream. And if you go in there, you'll, Smitten, I really wish Smitten Ice Cream had its own bar where you could sit down, but it's yeah. not. It's This is off the communal menu, okay. right? So, but Smitten is, they're known, they have this great technology for making ice cream in 90 seconds. And they pour the pre-done mix in, and they put the add-ons in, and then they, you know, whatever. And then the liquid nitrogen. Yeah, They got baby. this crazy-shaped uh, mixer with a double <laughs> helix. And it's cool. So I had a lot of fun there. The ice cream's fantastic. But they then let a few members of the media make our own um that's flavors. cool. Now, you can't do this at home, so it's almost like mean to tell people about this, but I do like to talk about how my stupid brain works. <laughs> yeah. So they had all the normal sweet treats and the regular flavors that you would get at an sure. ice cream place that were out there. And then they had some weird shit that um, the chef had brought over from the other places within Uncommons. Okay. So she raided Uncommons. So she brought over some wasabi powder. Then she brought over some fresh wasabi relish. She, you know, she brought in some um, some pork from BS Taqueria, oh right? Some God. spiced pork. And we, we were permitted to just do whatever the hell we wanted and have fun <laughs> making the flavored ice cream. So I created the Neon Feast ice cream, and um, that was the flavor name, only one point okay. in existence. And I think I've eaten it. But... <laughs> And so I'm gonna I'm gonna walk you through my logic here. So Please. I wanted to go because Don Cherusny was there. I know he was gonna go hardcore on uh, making making some of the savory flavors, yeah. right? And said I, I know I can't out, I can't compete him, with him, and he's just gonna be a bigger badass than me. So I, I'm like, okay, I'm gonna go in. I'm gonna logical. I'm gonna take this logically. So my first thought was that if I was gonna go with some hot or some spicy or some really that that I needed a way to bridge it. So for my base flavor, yep. I started with the salted caramel. Okay. Because I figure right there, you already have the salt with the sweet, right? Yep. So now you're okay. So now for me, I need chunks. I need texture in my ice yes. cream, right? So throw in some fucking cookie dough because it's cookie dough. Love it. Throw in some day-old St. Honoré uh, donuts, right? Yeah, Which donuts. Which there because St. Honoré's in the food hall. Yep. Um, love that. And mix them all in. And then on the top, a little scoop of the fresh wasabi. Ooh. And then a tiny little drizzle of the oil that they put onto the the, the Nashville hot chicken oh over at Cowbird. So it had a little garlic, <laughs> a little heat. And Now, I didn't go crazy. I didn't put ghost plus pepper. She offered no. them. I didn't do that. But I, I thought I made a pretty I damn think good that I flavor. would eat that. I was digging it, man. I, I like it. I was proud of myself. I don't know. It might make other people <laughs> horribly <laughs> ill. But, but it definitely worked with me. So I loved it. Then the next day we went, the communal dining system, Sue and I just went in to eat by ourselves. Yeah. Now, here's a couple things. When, the first time we went, I know a lot of people were getting confused. It was very much like the Vegas test kitchen system. Yep, I remember you, that. You do one scan code no matter where you're seated, and then all the ordering comes up, and you order from one concept at a time. Okay. They all go into your cart. You push, you know, to deliver a cart. You pay for it all at once. It all comes over there. But with 13 concepts and, you know, each of their menus being... Um, separated out into appetizers and beverages yeah. or you know, whatever. It was, I would be the first to admit it was a little clunky. Now, I didn't mind because I like that concept and I like that way of ordering. Yeah. But I know some people 
don't like it. And for those people, I would say that my most recent trip back, I sat at a bar, just a good old alcohol bar, yep. right? Order up your drinks. And they had a place where you can scan the code there. Yeah. Instead of getting that same ordering code, I got basically a two printed page menu that came up. Okay. With each restaurant, each concept, yeah. and what they all had. Then I ordered by speaking to my bartender. So I was able to say, okay, we want to do, you know, and I'll, I'll go through, you know, what the hell did we have? Um, okay, I want the hush puppy, oyster, the crab hush puppies, sorry, from Oysterette. I want the Norwegian salmon from Cavos Greek Grill. I want the grilled chicken banh mi from the Happy Hoagie. I want some more chilled oysters from Oysterette, et cetera, right? Okay. So instead of having to find them all on the app, I just, just said that to a, a human, human being <laughs> and came over. Now, I'm not saying which I prefer, and I'm not even sure how it's going to shake out between the two of them. Sure. Um, but I am bringing this up because this is a work in progress. Yeah. They are interested in hearing what people think about the ordering process. Good. If you go in, feel free to give them feedback. You know, don't be a Karen or a Darren or a Dick, you know, but... Um, <laughs> <laughs> Give them feedback because they are, and I, I loved it. I'm, I'm really, I'm just falling in love with this place. It yeah. certainly hasn't worked out every single kink. They haven't been open all that long. Um, I saw Michael Mina in there one of the nights, not at media night. The night I just walked in on my own, yep. I saw Michael Mina there hanging out with his son. Of course, um, you know David Varley's the head chef over there. He's, yep. I see him every single time I walk in the door. Um, you know Patrick's who runs the company. He's over there, so they're all there. They're all looking for feedback. Yeah. And I'm really, really starting to fall in love with the place. That's so, awesome. So that's where we go there. That's where we go. Well, you know, coming up in the news, Haleo offers a summer of sangria. Which state is best on the competitive eating list? And Handel's Ice Cream has a second location, opened up. But first, Al sits down with founder of Girls Can Grill, Christy Vanover, who will be representing Las Vegas on a new season of Barbecue Brawl. This is Food and Loathing. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Want more? Ah, uh, we got more. Find me every Thursday morning around 810 on The Club, AM 670 KMZQ. On TV, you can find me Mondays around 830 AM on Wake Up With The CW. And the Neon Feast updates happen all week long on all of the highway radio stations all over your FM dial. The Vibe, The Drive, Highway Country, or go to highwayradio.com. Our next guest, Christy Vanover, is a woman I first met more than a decade ago at the World Food Championships. She's now an accomplished barbecue pitmaster and the founder of Girls Can Grill, and she's representing Las Vegas on the new season of Barbecue Brawl. So I've lived in the Las Vegas area on and off since 2004. Um, I've been working in public relations for Nellis Air Force Base and Lake Mead, but I also kind of behind the scenes have been doing food. Um, and so, yeah, I started out, I think we met at the World Food Championships. I think you were judging, covering it something. Um, that was about 10 years ago, I guess. And now I'm continuing my barbecue career. I'm a competitive pitmaster, award-winning, and now I'm going to be on Food Network's Barbecue Brawl. Wow. Well, congrats. And that must be awesome. I want to talk all about the show. Um, but whenever we have somebody local that kind of goes and gets this national attention, I want to start off with um, with how you got here and your local ties. And, you know, you talked about us meeting long ago, 10 years ago. At that point, you were grilling, I believe. I don't know if you were fully pit mastering, right? No, correct. Yeah. So with the World Food Championships, they had different categories. So there was a sandwich category. There was a burger category. I did both of those. Used the grill, obviously, to grill my burger and to make our sandwich components. But when I was there, I saw the barbecue area where everybody was doing the ribs and brisket. And I was like, God, that's awesome. Awesome. I really am interested in that. And coincidentally, around the same time, the Nevada Barbecue Association, which is here locally in Vegas, they reached out and invited me to join their club. And from there, I kind of learned the ropes about barbecue, and I've been just going full steam ever since. So what's your background? I know you uh, have a journalism background and a PR background. You've also traveled the world um, working for the government and through your husband's military service, I believe. So what brought you into food and into wanting to be a competitor, competitive, excuse me, cook? Yeah, so I've always just been a competitive person in general. I was a competitive gymnast, diver, cheerleader, you know, all those traditional things that you do in school. Um, And then, yeah, my husband was in the Army, and we met in college, and that took us to... 
Kansas, Mississippi, Texas, Korea, Belgium, all over the place. Um, his family um, is from the Philippines, and many of them decided to retire in the Vegas area. So when it was time for us to settle, we decided to settle in the Vegas area as well. But my love of food, I guess I've always loved to cook, but it was really once I started traveling to all these different places and learning about different cuisines and cultures and just things that I have more of a southern style I would say kind of a little bit fattier foods like biscuits and gravy but then when I go to Korea and learn about kimchi and different things kalbi ribs I've kind of learned to infuse that into my cooking which makes it a little bit more unique so let's get this right off the bat have you ever been a professional pit master do you sell your food or has this always been a hobby and competition thing for you yeah, so I don't have a restaurant. I don't cater. So I don't sell my food. So I'm not professional in that aspect. But I'm professional in the sense that multiple major brands hire me to develop recipes for them. I do grill reviews. I've got 30 grills in my backyard right now. I've cooked on dozens of different grills. But I work for some of the top food and grilling um, industry experts. Like I've worked with Weber. I've worked with Traeger. I've worked with you know any grill company that you can name. I've pretty much worked with them. I'm an expert reviewer for Barbecue Guys. Um, I work with Snake River Farms from a Wagyu standpoint. I'm beef advocate with the National Cattlemen's Beef Association. So I'm not a professional pit master from a providing food to the public, but definitely a professional in the barbecue world. And, and almost a professional athlete or a professional competitor, and you get the endorsements. And it's it's a really wild world out there, the barbecue world. How did you get into that, and how did you get into doing it um, on a level where you could do it professionally? Yeah, like I said, it really came down to the Nevada Barbecue Association. So when I went to my first meeting there, um, they had a demo that day where they were showing how to do competition pork butt. And I just they have um, local competitions here in Vegas every now and then where you don't have to be expert pit masters like myself. It was really more beginning stages. Um, they had an event called Thrill of the Grill. They've actually got an event coming up July 8th, which is a rib and chicken cook-off. And so I started small. Um, and then as I started to get better and get my name called during awards, I just got the buzz. And then I started going to classes taught by other professionals, started doing a lot more research, um, and then just competed more so that I could keep winning. And now I am a Nevada, Utah, and California state barbecue champ, and my brisket is ranked fifth in the world. Wow, that is amazing. Um, you know, that world is interesting, the competitive barbecue world, and I don't want to pretend that I know anything about it. I've been asked to write about it over the years. I remember I went down to Pahrump for a weekend and watched a local barbecue challenge there. I got to hang out with a lot of the competitors. My, I'm going to talk to you about my impressions of it. And then you tell me where I'm way off base, what I got wrong, what, you know, because I don't know things and I like to learn. Uh, it seems to me, though, that it's a very kind of um, tight knit community. People that travel, the same people travel from one competition to another. They all know each other. Um, a lot of retirees seem to do it, uh, not exclusively, but certainly quite a few. And it always seems, it almost seemed to me, from my very limited exposure, that. Among the people that travel and do it, it's sort of like, okay, you won last week, but I'm going to kick your butt this week, and I'm going to hit you next month at that competition. And in the end, hopefully we're all going to get enough points where we can go on to regionals or nationals. But it seemed very much a community and a lot of camaraderie in there, and not quite as cutthroat, but sort of, well, I've got my points to make it to the regionals, so I hope my buddy might maybe get them, even though I'm still going to do my best. Yeah, that's that's dead on. I mean, it really is a family, and that's why I love it. When we show up to competitions, they are our friends, they are our family. They may live in California full-time we're here, or they may live in Kansas. But yeah, when we get together, we, we just love seeing each other, but we also help each other out. So at, at a competition, if somebody forgets something, they need foil, they need honey, whatever, we'll give it to them because we want to beat them, but we want to beat them on their best day. We don't want to beat them because they forgot an ingredient. So yeah, there's a few of us. Um, there's a few of us in the Vegas area also that compete Steve-O's Barbecue. He and I are like brothers and sisters, and like he just beat me at the Nevada Championship in Boulder City that I won last year. And so then I went up to Utah, and I was like, I got to get a better score. I got to I gotta beat him. So yeah, we like we I guess fuel each other's fire so that we can um, both remain competitive and and now hopefully we'll both be at the world championships together. So it's definitely community. And I should tell people if you're wondering where why this is so noisy, I chose like the worst place to do this interview. We're actually we're in front of a Mothership Coffee, great place, um, but I didn't realize we were in a flight path. So, but it's still a beautiful day outside. So you guys are just gonna have to bear with us at home for that. Um, okay, so you're on TV. Let's talk about how that happened. How did you get to go on to Barbecue Brawl? Did, is this something you applied for, or is this something that you, um, you know, got, got called and got the invitation? Yeah, actually, the very first season, they reached out to me. Food Network reached out to me. They said I was interested. They wanted me to fill out the packet and, and apply for the show, and I didn't get picked up for that show. Um, and then they shot seasons two and three together. It was during COVID, so they were kind of like 
trying to shoot it all together because there were so many restrictions they had to go through. And I didn't get picked up for those two shows. But then this year, I decided to throw in my application again. I, my barbecue chops are much better now than they were four or five years ago. Um, and you go through a lot of casting calls with producers via Zoom, and then eventually they let you know. And it was really down to the wire just a couple weeks before shooting, but they gave me the green light to head on out to California. So what's the experience like when you get there? Because, you know, everybody watches food television and they have an idea of what it would be like to go on there. It's not always quite what people are expecting. So could you tell me what the experience was like? Sure. So I've done local TV as far as because I've been a journalist and because I was a spokesperson for Lake Mead and, and for Nellis and other things. I've been on TV before, but never a TV production like this. So, yeah, it was it was great because we didn't know who else was going to be on the on the uh, cast, the other contenders. And I knew a few of them. So that was exciting. Um, obviously, we know of the judges and the mentors. Um, so Bobby Flay, Amberell and, and um, Sonny Anderson are the, the mentors. And it was it was cool. It was intimidating. The set's beautiful. Um, everybody will get to see that. But I didn't know how real it would be. Like, you see things on TV. You watch Chopped, and you're like, do they really make, make, make ingredients right away? Or is there, like, a pause? And no kidding. It's like, go and come up with stuff fast. And I'm a really, really meticulous person and very mise en place and planning organized. So to just run to a pantry and then be able to whip out something in 30 minutes was definitely a challenge. But it was really fun. And I think it was um, one of the, I think, greatest experiences that I had is I was with a lot of chefs this year, restaurant owners and just chefs who aren't even mainly barbecue chefs, just really good chefs who like to cook over fire. And it really helped elevate my game and pressure me to do more chefy stuff than I'm used to doing because I do a lot of backyard barbecue. Um, so that was a fun experience. So um, first of all, what are your impressions of working with Bobby and with Anne? Um, I've been fortunate enough to work with Bobby a few times. I'm not going to share mine. You know, I'll save them for another time. But I do like the guy. He's been always been very kind to me. But what were your first impressions? I will say he's very um, observant. The main thing I, I took away from him is he didn't come in there like loud and I'm Bobby Flay and this is my production it was more observant of seeing what the chefs could do what their talents were he was very respectful of the dishes that we put together um, the way the process is to make sure that the judges eat it while it's still hot so it has the full um, the full characteristic of what the meal should taste like that was very important to him so I, it was very meticulous how he did things and he, like I said he was just overall very respectful and friendly and what was Anne like? I've never met her. I believe I've been in some rooms with her. I saw her waiting for her luggage once at LAX, but I've never had a conversation with her. She's very competitive, um, and I like that competitive spirit because I'm competitive as well. So she likes to win. She's um, very organized as well. Like when it's down to the wire, she's really good at keeping her team on track and getting them to deliver. Um, she's very creative. Um, and like I said, yeah, just very organized, really a firecracker full of energy. So what are the stakes for people who may not know when you're when you're on barbecue brawl? What are you grilling for? Or, or excuse me, what are you smoking for? I assume you smoking or grilling? It was a mix. So, be, you know, usually barbecue is long and slow, but this is a TV production. So we weren't doing like 12 hour briskets. Some challenges are 30 minutes, some are two hours, some are a lot longer. Um, but in the end, the title of Master of Q, the winner gets to be Master of Q and then they get their own, excuse me, digital production on Food Network. Okay, so I know we can't talk about whether you won. By the time we hear this, I'm hoping to drop this right after that is dropped as streaming so people will be able to see it. And along those lines, where can they see it? Yeah, so it's on Food Network, so you can stream it if you have Discovery Plus or FoodNetwork.com, or if you're, um, you know, if you're local, you have cable, it's Channel 42, I believe. Um, so yeah, anywhere you can view Food Network, um, I think even YouTube TV might have it. But it does premiere July 10th, um, 9 p.m. Eastern, and also 9 p.m. our time, Pacific. And it's a 10-week show, so it's not just a one-time show. It'll be on for 10 weeks, and each week somebody gets eliminated. How many competitors overall? So there's 12 competitors overall, um, and they vary. There's pitmasters from Texas, from Kentucky, several people actually actually from California, both North, North and Southern California. Um, one contestant is originally from Brazil. Um, so there's qu there's quite a nice variety. Um, Chicago, I think, yeah, they kind of pretty much went um, east to west and north to south. Let's talk about your company, um, Girls Can Grill. Obviously, love the name. Um, you know, I think that there's so many, you know, with women pizza, you know, there are just so many organizations coming out there that are really trying to um, right some of the, um, the imbalance, uh, the gender imbalance in the cooking world. Did you feel there was a need to come up with, you know, and be, be particularly bold about, you know, needing to have a feminine presence or a female presence in the grilling world? Did you feel like that that, that statement needed to be made for some reason? Yeah, a little bit for myself also. So when I first was at World Food Championships and I was watching 
walking around the pits where the barbecue pitmasters were. There were a couple women who were competing, but it was definitely a male-dominated field. And I thought, you know what? Why don't more women do this? I can do this. I know I can do this. My parents always taught me, you can do whatever you want to do. You can be whatever you want to be. So I started it more as my, for myself to say, yes, Christy, you can do this. And then I realized as I posted more on social media and became larger that I was inspiring other people, other women especially, um, who were interested in grilling but didn't feel like it was quite their space. So I just wanted everyone out there to know that, you know, and the world has changed a lot in the past eight years since I've done this, but eight years ago, it was almost taboo, different, you know, women didn't necessarily want to get dirty and do that. Um, but then pellet grills were introduced and that's completely changed the scene because you just walk outside and push a button and, and next thing you know, you got brisket. Um, and so now there's tons of women out there, but yeah, it was definitely something to inspire myself and to inspire other women that, Hey, just give it a shot. You know, what's the worst that can happen? You burn a brisket. Oh, well, but just give it a shot. Um, how were the men in the industry? Because we spoke about, not the industry, I guess in the field, I should say. We spoke about it being a, a tight-knit community. Um, so were the men that dominated it at the time that you were getting into it, were they welcoming of having women in there? Or was it kind of either consciously or spoken or unspoken sort of a boys club that they didn't like you treading on? Yeah, that's a fair question because I didn't know what I was walking into. Um, and when I first showed up, they were very embracing, very welcoming, almost like a big brother. Like, what do you need? How can we help you? What do you want to learn? Um, so, yes, it was always been a very welcoming community. And now that I kick their ass a lot on competi- <laughs> competitions, they're like, damn it, she's here again. <laughs> so it's it's kind of gone full circle. But, no, it, yeah, it's totally a family, and they've always made me feel welcome. One of the things I was concerned about when I launched my website, girlscangirl.com, is would men come there? Would they would they want to get recipes from a woman? And surprisingly, about 60% of my viewers through my website are male. So I provide content that is for everybody, but I also have that underlying inspiration for women who want to give it a try. Um, if people go to your website, what, what would the, the one tip that they can find there? If there's one like one episode, one thing that you really should see if you're new to grilling, what would the one be? Definitely my no-fail way to smoke brisket. It's my number one recipe on my website. It's a very long article. As, as we mentioned, I was a journalist by trade. So I go a lot into the deep details about how to properly trim it, how to properly inject it, how to thaw it if you buy a frozen one, all the way to how to smoke it. Because a brisket is something that costs 60 to $300, depending on if you're getting Wagyu or Primer Choice. And you don't want to mess it up, especially you know your first time out of the gate. So I would say that if you're ready to smoke a brisket, go to my website, check out that smoked brisket recipe, and it'll really walk you through every step. Okay, so I want to talk to you about what you think about the barbecue scene here in Las Vegas. I've always thought it's a great scene because um, we're not tied to one particular style, very much similar to the pizza world. So we have people that bring in influences from all over, and they usually don't have to worry about somebody saying, well, that's not barbecue because that's not what I grew up on. Because we're Vegas. We are a melting pot of cuisines. How, when you look around, because it is still a relatively young scene here, I think, are you encouraged by where we are, by the, the people that are out there doing it, both on the home side, because I have been to some of those, you know, those at-home grilling organization meetings, and they seem really, really cool, but then also on the professional side, the options that we have, places we can go out and buy barbecue? Yeah, I definitely think there is a good variety here, um, and it's it's saddening because a couple of my friends opened restaurants that unfortunately didn't, didn't make it. I mean, Vegas is a hard food market. Um, you know, it's a big city, lots of options, um, but I do love, and I've always loved, that we don't have to be specific to a certain kind of culinary style of barbecue. I know when I talked to Michael Simon several years ago when I went to his restaurant at the Palms, he was talking about how he brought Cleveland-style barbecue to Vegas, and the challenge that barbecue restaurants on the Strip, he told me, face is that when travelers come here and they want barbecue, they are expecting Kansas City barbecue or Texas barbecue. They aren't expecting something avant-garde or different like Cleveland-style barbecue that's really more like mustard-based kind of um, bohemian influences. And so he did have to adapt his menu, he told me a little bit. And actually, I think he took the kibasa off the menu. I'm not sure, but like, yeah, there, there were definitely some moves that, you know, people just were not having. But he also told me once that he got lectured by somebody who told him the best way to make a brisket was to put it in a crock pot with baby rays and that his brisket was no good. So, so the so much you could do, I think, to adapt to the market. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I think one of my favorite restaurants is Jesse Ray's, and unfortunately, his Henderson or his Vegas location just burnt down, but his Henderson restaurant's still there. But what I like that he's doing is like he has the fortress. He's doing things that are different, and I think that's what Vegas is all about. He takes a rack of ribs, he puts them in a big circle, and then fills it with just everything, you know, tater tots and cheese and brisket and everything. And that's that's kind of Vegas. We're like sinful, we're indulgent, and so I think that's a fun twist. Yeah, and he's one of the Mike over. 
there is one of the people who will say that what he does is Vegas-style barbecue, whereas, you know, the other folks in town will at least go, well, this is a little bit of my Arkansas roots, or this is a little bit of my, you know, the Carolinas where I came from, whatever. But he's like, no, man, he is flat out, this is Vegas-style. Any other favorites? And um, keep in mind, I may quote you on the Neon Feast app. Yeah, sure. So, honestly, um, my other favorite is Fox, Fox Smokehouse, which is in Boulder City, so it's not quite Vegas, but, you know, it's just down the hill on the I-11. And that's that's been one of my favorites for years. He's expanded to a larger restaurant there on the main drag, and he does beef ribs every now and then, which if you haven't had a beef rib, they are amazing. They're like so tender and juicy. And I don't mean like Korean beef ribs. These are like the big dino bones. But, but I was going to say, you, you, you hit the nail on the head. That's Fred Flintstone, right? Like you put it on the side of the car and it just falls over. Yep, absolutely. And his sides are fantastic. So yeah, between his place and Jesse Ray's, those are my two spots. Okay, awesome. Um, so no place that people can buy your food though. Huh? That's what's bumming me out here. Yeah, no place to buy my food. Um, but there will be an event, I think it's September 30th, that's going to be in town. Um, the information's coming out through the Nevada Barbecue Association and we'll do a People's Choice contest. So at that contest, we'll be putting our food out there, and people can buy it at that, at, you know, at that contest. So every now and then, I'll do people's choice. But from a restaurant standpoint, that's just a whole other game, a whole other world. I love to cook, I love to compete, and running a re- restaurant's just not not my jam. <laughs> okay, well, hopefully, um, competing on television is going to be your jam. I look forward to watching how you do this year. Again, to give people all the details on when they can watch it every week for as long as you're on. Sure, yep. So it is on the Food Network. It airs every Monday starting July 10th at 9 p.m. And you can also stream it through Discovery Plus and Food Network. And if you have questions about it, follow me at Girls Can Grill on every social media platform or go to girlscangrill.com and you can find information there. Here you are in Vegas, you're hungry, and the choices are endless. But do you really want to trust the crowd? You can trust Neon Feast. Restaurant recommendations from real food pros sharing where they send friends and family. All that knowledge is just a download away on the Neon Feast app. You want the strip, off strip, downtown, great views, great value? Find smart, informed restaurant recommendations on the Neon Feast app and neonfeast.com. We are all over social media. Just search for Food and Loathing or reach out directly, info at foodandloathing.vegas. And where am I these days? What am I doing? Most important, what am I eating, cooking, and learning? Find out in time at wishboneandvine.com. One more time, that's info at foodandloathing.vegas. And my site, wishboneandvine.com. And it is news time. Let's see what I've got for you in this pile of mess that I call my notes. Um, Hey, I was invited into Rosina and Electra at the Palazzo this week, which surprised me because I didn't know that they were even going to be around for that much longer. Um, A lot of people have been curious what's happening with the Cocktail Collective at um, Venetian Palazzo ever since the um, 8182 group, who are also known for Lynetta and Mas Por Favor, ever since they took over, right? So there was a lot about the Dorsey's been closed and there's a new new bar coming in there and I and that's fine with me because that's probably my least favorite of the three of them I mean it's a great bar Dorsey but eh, I'm not going to miss it it was big and like a library but I like Electra. I like kind of the glam rocky vibe there but mostly I love Rosina yeah and um, you know so I was a little nervous like oh my god are they going to totally destroy Rosina what are they going to do with Electra? Um, and then suddenly ding dong you know you, we're invited come in do a cocktail <laughs> tasting we want the media here which is not yeah. normally what people do before they close a place so um, I'm like, okay, these guys have these other two have some life left in them, which made me very happy. So we went, we sipped a few cocktails. They both look great. Um, and I spoke to Chris Zadie, who's the director of operations and beverage for 8182 Group. And I asked him, what the hell's going on with all the outlets over there? You know, we felt very strongly about the Cocktail Collective, all of us spending many years there as patrons. Um, we wanted to really take them and keep uh, the classic version of them alive. So you'll even notice in the Dorsey revamp, when we open Juliet, there's a lot of features that will remind you of the classic Dorsey. What we really want to do is just give it a fresh facelift, uh, something a little bit more fun and approachable. We're going to add a little bit of live music in there, dueling piano style, keep the DJs at night, and bring you a very unique, very extensive specialty cocktail program. Things that you'll be able to enjoy as well as visually and on the palate. Make sure that we have a lot of things for the gram as well. 
So that's in the process of being revamped right now. But we are here today. I've just been to Electro, which I've been to many times, and we're sitting here in Rosina. Everybody wants to know what's happening with those two property, those two those two spaces. Absolutely. So so we're looking at Electro to revamp right after the opening of Juliet. A couple of months in, still up in the air what direction we may take it and what it may exactly be. But you could definitely look forward to a much modern, much newer ultra lounge type feel. Similar to what you get over there, just a much uh, newer feel, but very nightclub-esque. Looking at Rosina, you know, out of the three, all of our favorites, something that you don't find in Vegas, as intimate as it is. So we wanted to leave the classic nature of it alive, keeping half of the cocktail program your very forever classic cocktails, and the other half that we revamped on top of that are very unique, very modern versions of your classics, just to give it two different vibes, two different feelings of everything that we're familiar with. And what's the time frame for moving on to the other um, spaces? So it looks like we'll open up Juliet mid-August, probably uh, mid to end. And then right after the new year, we'll look at what we're going to do with Electra. And then Rosina will probably stay around for quite a while. Um, like I said, it's something that we really enjoy over here. So we may just continue to upgrade the beverage program here and leave it as is for a little while. And congratulations to Tony Gemignani. Pizza Rock Las Vegas was named the number 18 pizzeria in the USA by Top 50 Pizza. Tony Gemignani also scored the number four spot for Tony's Pizza Napolitano in San Francisco. So there he is. He's a number four for one, one of his many San Francisco places, number 18 for Pizza Rock Las Vegas. By the way, I checked. They did not differentiate between which location okay. that one was. Um, but um, they, you know, most people know the downtown Las Vegas one, but the Green Valley Ranch one's just as great. Yeah. And apparently the people at Top 50 Pizza I think they're both great. They gave them that. But this is the first time that Top 50 Pizza has ever put one owner on a Top 50 for a country, for the same country yeah. twice, right? That's so nobody's amazing. ever gotten two listings within the same country, right? Yeah. So here's Tony G. He's in there twice. One of them's right here in Las Vegas, and that's pretty badass, um, and I'm just thrilled to have him here. And, of course, in addition to Pizza Rock in downtown Las Vegas and Green Valley Ranch, he operates that slice house in GVR that I was telling you about earlier. Yeah. Do the Sicilian. It's fucking good. That's amazing. I've got to get my happy ass over there. You know, I mentioned earlier that Halio is doing Summer of Sangria. Halio, of course, is in the Cosmopolitan. They're kicking it off with an entire month, the entire month of July, dedicated to sipping limited edition sangrias with specialty paired, co- uh, excuse me, tapas. And so dinner service nightly from five is when they're offering it. They have a few different sangrias. It's $14 by the glass, $38 by the half pitcher, $60 for the pitcher. You have the Sangria Divino Tinto. So that's going to be tinted wine, probably rosé, maybe red. You've got Sangria de Cava, which is going to be cava, which is Spanish. Bubbles. Yep, Spanish bubbles. Very much like champagne, but very territorial, just like champagne. Uh, gin, vermouth, and seasonal fruit. The Sangria Rosada is rosé wine with gin, vermouth, and seasonal fruit. And then they have the Sangria Roja de Lujo, brandy, vermouth, seasonal fruit, and Garnacha wine. That one is specially priced at $70 a pitcher, by the pitcher only. Mm-hmm. And then they have a Chef's Choice Tapas. For $21, you get three bites to go with your Sangria. And you can get a couple of them to go. That would be the Roja or the Cava for $14 a glass. Walk right out the door with it. All right. And as we record this, it is Tuesday. It is July 4th, and Nathan's Hot Dogs holds its annual hot dog eating contest today. But there's some fun trivia I wanted to share from the research team at Gambling.com who decided to work out who the top 10 best states for competitive eating were. And Nevada got number one. Really? They analyze because of our competitions or who lives here. It's a mix of both. So they analyze a lot of things. They analyze six different data points to measure this, and that's native MLE eaters, and those are uh, I don't even remember the term now. Um, But basically, competitive people who live here for major league eating. Yeah, major league eating. That's right. So so that would be people like um, Mickey Sudo who lives in Las Vegas. She's a native. Yep. And so total eating world records, MLE contests in 2023, man versus food eateries per capita, eateries review scores, and Google Trends scores for the man versus food keyword from the past 12 months. 
per U.S. state. So the total averages were all scored up, and yeah, they ranked the top 10, and Nevada got number one. Sounds like a really complicated <laughs> algorithm that they could have been using to come up with something. Right. And then again, you know, maybe they just typed it into chat. GPS. I just thought I that, would, oh, who knows, you right? Know, right? They asked the computer to figure out the fucking algorithm. I just thought that was so much fun. Um, hey, Handel's got Homemade GPT. Ice Cream. Got the, number, got the letters wrong. It's chat GPT, right? <laughs> I think, yeah, yeah I think GPS. so. I don't know. Fuck you. <laughs> Close <laughs> enough. Anyway, I'm sorry. I interrupted That's your okay. ice cream. That's okay. Yes, we have more Handles Ice Cream in the Valley. Last week, they opened up a second location located at 7345 Arroyo Crossing Parkway. And uh, they That's- are... That is, if you think about that, where that is, mm-hmm. if you're familiar with that, that's on Rainbow just south of the 215, right? That right. Arroyo Crossing yep. thing, right? And that is so close, actually, over to Uncommons, where we have the Smitten Ice Cream yeah. that I just told you about, and Salt, salt and, and Straw, straw right? <laughs> and then you're not even all that far from Sorry Not Sorry if that's you want right. to go to the Flamingo. That's a little bit of a hike, but this turned into, yeah. the Southwest turned into a fucking ice cream hub. I, I, mean, I think we should have a contest. I miss some of those gelato <laughs> places that used to be over oh, there. Oh, yeah. Really good, but, those were uh, really good. Yeah. Uh, yeah, led by Carly LaDuke and her husband, Jimmy LaDuke, the Rainbow Handle Store were offer a, u- offer a unique experience for visitors. Um, they come from different professions, but they came together about their passion about ice cream. This particular one is 1,500 square feet. It will feature local flavors, including some favorites like black cherry, buckeye, coffee chocolate chip, Graham Central Station, Oreo dough, salted caramel toffee, and more. The store will offer dine-in, pickup delivery, and catering. Both locations, including that new Rainbow location and the original at Trop and Wallapai, will be open from 11 to 10 p.m. 11 a.m to 10 p.m. Okay. And I just wanted to throw one more out there. We had them on the podcast recently. The Tinned Fish Club of Las Vegas is holding its first tin share at the Silver Stamp Beer Bar on Monday, May 10th. So you're listening to this on Friday. Get your tins ready. Admission is only $5. I think that applies to your bar bill when you get there. And all you have to do is bring a tin or two of your favorites. Bread, butter, and all the accoutrements will be provided. And, of course, your beer is on your own tab. You can't just bring, like, um, bumblebee tuner. No, no. Let's. I mean, you could, but you might get looked at funny Uh with all the different tins we have out there, especially after talking to these these great ladies. So where Uh, would you send somebody to get a tin if they want to come to your event? Well, if they're going to do it, they might as well just go to Tinned Ficionado. So on Instagram, that's Tinned underscore Ficionado. F-I-S-H-I-O-N-A-D-O. Or you can go to the website, tinnedficionado.com. And that is about it for this week. I'm looking through my notes, can't find them, but I know who I want to thank anyway. Thank you to Christy Vanover. Thank you to Chris um, Zaiti for coming on. And everybody at Little Avalon for hosting us and bringing us some awesome food. It's amazing to be here. Um, Everybody out there in this world should check it out. Um, We will be back next week, except, nope, I may not be back next week. You may not be. Yeah, I'm getting the hell out of Dodge trying to do a little vacation. I don't know if I deserve it, but um, I'm taking it. Amex has the points to spare. So, um, but I believe, if I'm right, hopefully you and Rich are going to. Yeah, I think um, I'm going to have Rich back, and uh, we will hold down the fort. Okay, yeah. So you and Rich will catch up. You'll ask him why he ate everything but French food in France. (laughs) Correct. Uh, You can make sure why the fuck he was eating doing the lobster rolls in France. You're going to ask him that question. I am and sushi. Okay, yes, I need to know that. Um, and then I think I may have a an interview that I'll be able to provide for you. Maybe even two. Yeah, well, I'll get some stuff. Yeah, and I'll get Showy. I'll, I'm going to get Chef Noe Alcala in this week, so we'll be able to share some stuff with him from Zai. Okay, sounds awesome. So there's going to be a show. I won't be here. Come on, that's the best of all worlds, people. You're going <laughs> to love it. Oh, for Samantha Gemini Stevens and the traveling Rich Johnson, I'm Al Mancini. Stay hungry. <laughs>